to Compass and Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Richard Tizano. In addition to being a best-selling author, for over 20 years, attorney Richard Tizano has guided thousands of families through the unexpected journeys of elder legal issues and long-term care. Richard specializes in the field of elder law and long-term care crisis management, strategic care cost risk mitigation, and sustainability. Today, Richard and I are going to talk about his book, Accidental Safari, a guide for navigating the challenges that come with aging. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mary. I'm happy to be here. Great. So, Richard, is this the first book you've ever written? And if so, what prompted you to write it? Uh, yes, I'm uh, a new author, and I wrote the book because I was giving regular seminars um, about estate planning and long-term care and how to prepare for uh, long-term care issues that might arise, integrating all that. And I'd been doing the seminars for probably uh, six years or so. And the, the seminars were pretty well attended, but I realized that there were a lot of people who probably couldn't come to the seminars or didn't know about them. Or, and, and also there was a lot of information that I just couldn't squeeze into the seminars that were about an hour and a half long. So, so I thought I needed to write the book for those people who couldn't attend and for all of those additional uh, bits of information that were vital that I just wasn't able to share and would be applicable to so many people. So that's what motivated me to get it done. Well, I'm so glad you wrote it because I did read it and it made me laugh and it made me cry. And I have shared it with my friends. And, um, you know, we live here in Western Washington. So that book of yours can reach anybody anywhere where our seminars, seminars are localized. And obviously somebody mm -hmm. in North Carolina can't attend one in Polesville. Right. So you wrote the book, Who is Your Audience?, and who are the readers you're trying to reach? Well, it's kind of funny, you know, the turn of events. You, people can attend my seminars from anywhere in the world now because mm -hmm. I do them on Zoom, but uh, that wasn't the case then. So maybe if that was the case, I wouldn't have written the book. <laughs> so, um, but my audience is really, um, I think, primarily people who recognize that they're aging or maybe the, the adult children of um, people who are aging and they refuse to recognize it and their children are recognizing it for them that they need to uh, maybe do some things to get their life in order and make it a little easier for the children who are going to pick up the pieces after them. So, uh, so, oh, so it would be the seniors and their adult children probably are my audience. And over your left shoulder, is that the cover of your book? It, it is. Behind you? It okay. is. It's called the Accidental Safari. 
And uh, I'll just, there you go. Just, Thank you. The guide for navigating the challenges that come with aging. And uh, no, that is not me on the cover of the magazine. I know you've been asked that before and I said it was not you. Um, right. So why should someone buy your book? You know, you make reservations and prepare for a vacation. Um, shouldn't retirement be treated the same way? Well, that's true. And, and that's a good reason to buy the book. <clears throat> and if you have any questions about how this works or ways to uh, the per different perspectives to have on uh, ways to do retirement or aging or <clears throat> naming agents on your documents and um, those, those are really reasons why uh, you should plan ahead and, and do it. And, and some people are, you know, basically planners and they do that. They enjoy doing that. It gives them a sense of uh, control and relief that uh, issues are taken care of and other people's people are not planner. But when you think of certain things, you know, if you're going to buy a refrigerator, you, you kind of look it up, maybe which, which is the better one I should buy or you, you plan on doing it. You save and then you do it or, or if you're uh, vacation, the same thing. You wouldn't go <clears throat> down if you decided, well, gee, I want to go on a safari <clears throat> excuse me, I want to go on a safari. Uh, let's go down to the airport and uh, we'll look at the boards and we'll find an airline that's going to Nairobi and then we'll go to the ticket booth and buy a ticket. And when we get off the plane at the other end, we'll look for a car rental place. I mean, you would never do that. You, you would plan and planning what does so many things for you. It gives, it gives you the best deal. It gives you the awareness of what the options are. It, it gives you information about critical times of the season, maybe to not go in the rainy season. So many things that you accomplish by, by doing a little investigation and a little planning. Uh, and, you know, from everything from saving the money to, to getting the best seats in the house. So it's the same thing with estate planning. You, you, you can investigate. The book would just give you a, a very broad perspective of the options that are available, the issues that are out there that should be addressed and different ways to address them. I'm going to throw you a, a, a twist here for a second, just for educational purposes. When you say estate planning, in my mind, until I was educated on all of this, it made me think that I had to have a lot of money to, to do an estate plan. Can you dispel that? Can you explain estate planning? Sure. So estate planning, planning is considering and, and drafting and executing documents that address the basic issues of life and death. And so that would include documents like powers of attorney, where you're legally authorizing someone to step in and assist you, maybe medically or financially. Um, a directive to physicians in some states, they call it a living will. That addresses the issues of death and dying. When you're in that situation, if you death was imminent and you were unable to communicate what kind of um, procedures would you want people to do or to be sure that they didn't do? Would you want <clears throat> not to be resuscitated or be on a feeding tube or those kinds of uh, large, broad amount of, of issues that could be addressed through a directive or living will? And then at your death, what happens to your assets? Who, who is the person's authorized to manage the process of the gathering of your assets and the distribution of those assets and who's going to be responsible for making sure creditors get paid off. So that's basic estate planning is identifying what documents are helpful or necessary and then 
uh, what do you want in those documents, getting, getting them drafted and executed. That's what I used to think estate planning was. But then when I went through some experiences with my own family, I began to realize, well, gee, there's a whole lot more to this and uh, people need to be made aware of how to address those issues. Hence why there's a book that's mm -hmm. probably 200 pages because it does get complicated. Yeah, 250, I think, actually. But, but <clears throat> this and the book, it, it, it just it runs the gamut. And uh, that's why I think it's necessary. I think it's helpful. Um, and it tells my story. And it tells the story of many of my clients, and it connects those stories to particular issues. So let's elaborate on that, because I was going to ask you, what perspective does the book take with you as the author, and how do you approach all of these different subjects? Um, so my story is, uh, when I was 12 years old, uh, I was a, an only child born and raised in Queens, New York, and um, my mom had a stroke and became paralyzed on the right side of her body. And so she was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And so my dad and I um, were the primary caregivers and we had a lot of family help and some visiting nurse help. Uh, and we cared for my mom and she was in the wheelchair the rest of her life for 20, 20 years. <clears throat> and then um, fast forward 40 years later, I'm, I'm an estate planning attorney doing those estate planning things I just listed for you thinking I was doing all my clients this great service. <clears throat> and uh, so what happened then is my dad, he's living in an independent living situation and he um, can't really manage his own affairs. Uh, actually he had a little fire in the, in the apartment and they thought he probably couldn't live on his own anymore. So, so he went into uh, a nursing home and I'm thinking, well, this is horrible. My dad has to go into a nursing home. And actually he had become quite a recluse in his little studio apartment. And so when he went to the nursing home, he really, he really liked it. It was all of this activity and it was, you know, people treated him and talked to him, treated him nicely. <clears throat> and so um, I learned a lesson there how, you know, don't put your perspective necessarily on people you're helping or you're with. But so now he was in a nursing home and I had to figure out, well, how, how do you pay for this? You know, he lived on a, a little railroad pension he got. Uh, he retired from a, he was a trackman for the railroad, retired. And so that didn't go very far with the, the cost of care. And so I had to figure out how this worked. And this was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And, and I realized there's not a whole lot of information out there. There's, there's uh, quite a bit more these days, thank goodness. But so I had to, I had to figure it out. And I began to realize that I was really shortchanging my estate planning clients because estate planning was a whole lot more than just, just those documents and, and, and how those, what those documents say. <clears throat> In those documents, you can have a whole lot that um, answers the questions that need to be asked as you age. And so I began to incorporate that. <clears throat> and uh, I began to help people qualify their loved ones for Medicaid and, and became known as the guy who takes care of that. And so people in the local hospital and nursing home, they would say, well, maybe you, you should go talk to this attorney who, who could explain Medicaid to you. And uh, my practice became somewhat of a, uh, you know, a, of a fire drill helping, helping people who were really desperate and uh, became a little bit depressing. And so that's really when, and you helped me 
do the, set up the seminars, Mary, when we started. And so that's really when the seminar started is I thought, well, if, if people could just realize what the issues are, they would want to take care of them sooner. So they could, they could you know, have peace of mind and they would know these issues. If, if something arose, they had some health emergency that the, the basics were taken care of. And so I thought if, if I could get them to come into my office sooner, they could take care of that. And I couldn't figure out a way to do that. And that's when we had our discussion, you and I, Mary, and talked about, well, what could we do to bring people in to make them aware of what the issues were in the seminar started. And that was eight years ago. And that led to uh, the book when we realized, well, we're not going to reach everybody who could be reached. And here we are. It's been a wonderful journey, I have to admit. Thank you for bringing me on with you. Um, so I've read the book, and I know that it doesn't just speak about legal documents. And, you know, we were talking about what perspective does the book take. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how the chapters use um, stories of clients that you've oh, had sure. and the different things that we that you hit on in there? Sure. So I... I called it the accidental safari because it's it's not a journey you would want to take i mean it's it's it the the health issue it asserts itself or inserts itself into your life and it can be a dramatic medical emergency like a stroke or a heart attack or an accident you know you fall off the, the ladder you shouldn't have been on in the first place and all of a sudden your life it, it takes you a place you never would have wanted to go and it's totally unfamiliar. You go from the hospital maybe to the nursing home for rehab and, and, it, and it just so many twists and turns. And I try to address many of them in the book. And uh, like I said, I tell stories. So uh, there's one section about driving. I thought I might read it. It's kind of a fun. Uh, sure, fun go for so, it. Um, so, so driving often is an issue, you know, should my parent be driving or my loved one and how do we get the keys away? And, and so, uh, I say, I remember a story. I, I used to attend a weekly breakfast meeting. An older gentleman also attended the group. He would always park next to the door of the restaurant in a handicapped parking space. And one morning as I was entering the restaurant, I had a chance to observe him parking his car. He eased the big Chrysler New Yorker into the parking space until the handicap sign began to bend from the pressure of the car's contact with it. Um, it was a surprisingly big bump, and I thought that I would wait and walk into the restaurant with him. As he got out of the car, I couldn't help noticing the multiple scrapes and dents on the car. But he, he may have anticipated my comment on his parking method because the first thing he said to me was, I have a little trouble with the depth perception, so it helps me to watch the sign. What he meant to say was, I can't see well enough to know when to stop, so I keep going until I hit something. <clears throat> this is not the ideal well to, way to drive a car. I call it driving by Braille. Stan, I said, when you were teaching your kids to drive, did you teach them to keep going until they hit something? <laughs> when he didn't laugh with me, I knew I may have hit a nerve. It's also possible that he may not have heard me clearly. Stan, I said, I would be happy to pick you up on Thursday mornings if you'd like. He ignored that comment as well. The stories about seniors driving are funny until, they, uh, until you consider that someone you love may one day be on the receiving end of a potentially dangerous driving situation. And seniors who push the envelope on safety are putting themselves and others at serious risk. And then I talk about some of the factors to consider when you're deciding if it's time to hang up the car keys are as follows. And we talk about physical limitations, men 
medical limitations, medication, alcohol, uh, the reduction in muscle and bone strength, and and then ways to to take a test and to to see how your driving is, and 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 so <clears throat> just just a, a, an illustration of one of the topics that needs to be considered perhaps, and it's it's in there. There's lots of stuff that's it's just people ask me. I say, yeah, it's in there. It's in there. Read the book. So exactly. It's like I said, I read the book and it made me laugh and it made me cry. So if someone were to ask you, like me right now, what are the two or three biggest takeaways you want someone to get out of your book? What would you say? Um, well, I would say find out what the, the issues might be, because there are a lot of related issues and be um, preemptive. Just go ahead and <clears throat> take, show some initiative and explore the, the issues. Uh, and, and I, you know, it's a shameless commercial, but I, I think the book is a good way to do that, uh, to, it, it'll bring things before you that um, you never realized, oh yeah, that's connected and, and oh, that's a good way to handle it. So, so be proactive, um, is one, one big thing. And the other thing is that um, God guides the journey. You know, the, we, we like to think we're kind of in control of our lives and we are to a certain extent, but um, at some point, you know, I talked to many clients and they're at the end, you know, they, they uh, today I had a brother and sister and they're gonna keep mom home at any cost. And the cost is great to keep mom at home. And, uh, they, you know, they were shrugging and they don't know uh, how much more longer they can do that or afford to do it. And, and uh, I said, you know, I have, you know, people here in, in this room in tears because they promised mom that this would never happen or that would never happen. And you only have so much control. And um, I think it's comforting or it can be comforting to think, well, there's a God who loves me and God's in control. And, you know, there's life happens and we make the best we can. And if there's someone who can go along with me in the journey, I'm fortunate. Um, if th that person is, is the person I end up caring for, um, it's tough. It's tough, but it's all in the hands of someone much greater than us. I think there would be a third one too, when mm -hmm. I've heard you speak to people before and it has to do with Medicare and um, if somebody goes into the hospital, if they're 65 or older, how Medicare actually works. Um, mm -hmm. You said something about um, being admitted versus under observation. Well, yeah, that's how the journey often starts with folks. You know, you, um, the, the incident happens and you find yourself in the emergency room. And the way the system works, if you're over 65 and on Medicare, uh, you expect Medicare, it's like health insurance to pay for that, the costs of what's going on there in the hospital. And they run tests and they want to see um, what's going on, if there's something they can do to treat you. And the tests might come back where there is a significant issue and they are able to treat you, in which case they'll admit you to the hospital and treat you. Or there, there may be a situation where they run the tests and they just come back you know, blank. There's nothing, doesn't show anything, in which case they'll help you to leave because there's, you know, there's nothing they can do for you. But there's a big gray area in the middle and in the, the gray area, um, the tests may show something, but nothing that they are really able to 
aggressively treat, but enough so that if they send you home, they, they could be, the hospital could be liable for not taking some action. And so in most of those cases, they keep you in the hospital under observation. So you're not really a patient in the hospital, you're under observation, um, in which case uh, Medicare isn't paying for you. The hospital doesn't want to be mean about it, but they know that there are certain um, minimal requirements for you to qualify for Medicare to pay for your care. And then it, it gets worse where if you are in the hospital for um, three days, let's say you're in the hospital for at least three days as a patient and you go to a rehab facility, Medicare will pay 100% of the first 20 days in rehab. And then all but $180 a day of the next 80 days. Uh, most people, retired folks who are on Medicare have a supplement to their insurance which will pay that 180 day front end if Medicare is paying the back end. So conceivably, you are a patient in the hospital for three days and you go to rehab, Medicare will pay and your supplement will pay up to 100 days of rehab, which is over $500 a day in a rehab facility, which in our area is typically a nursing home. However, if you are in the hospital under observation for three days or more or five days or a dozen days, and then go to rehab, Medicare will not pay. So that's, that's a big difference. And you need to have you know, a loved one there who's authorized to help you um, work through that and see what they can do to get you admitted into the hospital. And then the same thing happens once you get to rehab. If you're unable to um, improve from your rehab, benefit from your rehab, then Medicare will end and they'll have a meeting at the rehab facility to tell you that. And they'll tell you, you can appeal what we're saying and they'll give you a phone number. It's just a phone call to make the appeal. And you should appeal because um, again, the nursing home doesn't want to be mean, but they can't continue to provide a service rehab if you're not benefiting from the service. And so that's, uh, they're exposing themselves for an audit by Medicare, which would penalize them. And so if you make the appeal, and it's just a phone call. So the person who loves you is going to call and explain why you may not be participating or benefiting from the rehab. And if it's a valid reason, they will extend the period. Oops, I'm sorry. They will extend the period that you can get. Um, sorry. They will extend the period that you can get um, uh, Medicare to pay for your rehab. Uh, and so it's a process. and people don't, aren't aware of the process and they don't know how they can participate and that they have the opportunity to do these appeals. And so uh, it's all explained in the book, another issue. You know, people say, I never, you know, who would have thought, but uh, it's something you can know about. And if you even <clears throat> become aware of, of the different things out there, you don't have to become an expert. You just be exposed yourself to what the issues might be. And then you can begin to look them up should they become relevant to you. Well, basically, that's a $50,000 question that people don't know to even ask right. because 500 times 100 days, 100 is $50,000. Right. So, so we're going to wrap up here because we do try to keep these to around 20 minutes. So this is what I would say. Number one, we're still doing the seminars and a lot of this you can explain online through <laughs> Zoom. And while we're doing them online and when we were doing them in person, 
people have bought your book and they come to the seminars and they say, hey, I bought your book. That's why I'm here. It's been so helpful. And they have highlights in it and everything. You know, they've really used it as a guide. So why don't we tell people what the website address is, where they can go to register for the seminar, and then we'll give the, um, where to go to buy the book. Okay. Sounds great. So they can go to, um, for the website seminar, westsoundlegal.com, and there's a button they can click to register for the seminar. You just give your email address, and then uh, they'll use that email address to send the link to the Zoom seminar. So you can do that. And then um, the book is for sale on amazon.com. Uh, just put in the, uh, the, the title, West uh, Accidental Safari, or put in my name, and the Accidental Safari book will come up. Yep. So I'll, I'm going to give just a little bit more info. So when you okay. go to when you go to the website West Sound Legal, um, read the toolbar and go to seminars. And when you get to the seminars that are listed, please make sure there's a drop down menu and pick the date that's best for your schedule because they're scheduled out through April right now, and we will always have two or three months worth on there. And um, for Amazon.com put in Accidental Safari and put in Richard C for his middle initial, Tizano, it will definitely pop up. So um, Richard, I appreciate that you wrote the book. I know hundreds, thousands of people at this point probably do too. So for those of you listening today, do a little exploring, do a little bit of planning because you will be so grateful that you did. And Richard, thank you for being our guide today. You're very welcome. My okay. pleasure. Everybody, we'll see you soon. Listen to us every Thursday. Have a great day. Stay healthy and happy. Bye-bye.